I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton. Joined today with Inside Texas's uh, beat reporter and recruiting analyst, uh, Justin Wells. How you doing, Justin? Doing pretty well, Bobby. Doing pretty well. About to go have a root canal. And so um, I'm glad we're doing this now because after that, I don't think I would be doing as well. No, I think a root canal is enough for all of us. Uh, the, 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 the mere thought of it sends shivers down my spine. Uh, worse, though, is getting your uh, wisdom teeth out. I got to say that. All right, let, let's get into it uh, for folks today. Uh, if you're not familiar, Inside Texas is your stop, one-stop shop for all uh, football uh, and recruiting information on the University of Texas Longhorns. Please visit Justin and I there, uh, as well as a host of other uh, people that are there every day, insidetexas.com. Also, if you would, uh, please consider subscribing to our video here and to our video podcast. All you have to do is click the uh, red button on the bottom right-hand portion of the screen. Uh, Justin, uh, I wanna go over a couple of things with you today. I wanna talk uh, uh, about some team news uh, you've heard some uh, feedback on the recent uh, workouts, uh, not only uh, on field in, in the weight room, but also uh, some ad hoc kind of stuff they've got going on. And then I also want to talk to you about some of the recruits that you saw over the weekend that have some specific uh, Texas ties today. You, you ready for that? Yes, sir. All right, let's get going. Tell, tell us a little bit about the offseason workouts and what you've heard at this point. Uh, you know, you know how it goes in the underwear Olympics. Uh, there's a lot of guys that look good. And then you have some guys that are kind of dragging from behind that uh, need a little fire under their butt. Um, the, I think the, some of the most positive I've heard is, is actually not just the team overall vibe, because I think the last offseason they got rid of some malcontents, some guys that weren't exactly bought in. And when you remove those guys and Sark is trying to instill that culture, he's brought in some guys that I think correlate with the culture. I think a lot of these signees from 2022 are culture fits, not to mention the transfer portal guys. And, and that leads me into, they're doing throwing sessions two times a week. And so that means uh, twice a week, these kids get to see Quinn Ewers pull out the rifle, load it up and let her eat. And, and, and it's exactly what you would think it was gonna be. This guy can spin the football on a regular basis it is completely impressing sources close to me inside the program. Uh, they all, they're almost overwhelmed with the fact that his arm can touch every inch and blade of grass on the field. And I don't think any of these guys have ever seen that. But also Hudson Card is, is, is rising up to the challenge. It's not, a, it's not an instance where Quinn's leading or Hudson's leading. At this point, it's kind of group led. You know, and so, you know, like Rashawn Johnson's the team leader and, and B. John Robinson's in that conversation as well as guys they respect. But Hudson and, and Quinn are both kind of introverts. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that leadership starts to evolve, how it, how it kind of starts to come out. But right now they're helping each other out. These guys are helping each other with, you know, Hudson's helping him with some things he may not have known coming in. Quinn's helping him with some things that 
Hudson may not be able to do with God-given talent, but but they, I think the dynamic is so much better than what it was with Hudson and the other quarterbacks 12 months ago. I can tell you for a fact, it's a lot better relationship. And so I like that Hudson stepping up. I like that Quinn looks comfortable. You know, I think Coach Sark even said something in, 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 in his uh, National Signing Day post-presser where he said, you know, I think he's where he's always wanted to be, and he's happy. And that's, that, 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 that's, that's glowing. And a lot of guys are picking that up. And then you've got some of the new guys that he's throwing to. And one guy that I can't hear enough about is Isaiah Nayor. And, Bobby, you know as well as I do, we're talking about a kid that transferred from Wyoming, originally from Arlington Lamar, that could be potentially getting ready for the NFL draft. This is a guy that really had a breakthrough over the last 24 months while while up in in Wyoming, and he knows exactly what's his goal. And that's another great thing. Quinn Ewers has a focus. Ryan Watts, the new cornerback from Ohio State, who's battling for a starting job with with, with Deshaun Jamison and Terrence Brooks and 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 and, and, and Jade Barron and those guys, even though they're moving Barron around a little bit, they're bringing in that mentality of let's have fun, let's get after it, let's work. And so, to me, the the, the most positive has been the throwing sessions because this offense isn't going to operate at maximum maximum capacity without it being going vertical. It's just not going to happen. That's Sark's bread and butter. And I think he's suiting the offense around his talented quarterbacks. He's suiting them to where they can do their best. And so Isaiah Nayor has looked great catching the football. I've heard Marcus Washington is a guy, you know, he's kind of the elder statesman. Uh, it's kind of funny. I remember him, you know, battling with Texas, battling with Ohio State to get his signature. Now he's going into his senior year. It's funny how time flies. He's in there battling. Jordan Whittington looks healthy. He's got some quick twitch that he's being able to display as well. And then, you know, Xavier Worthy. We know the, 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 the usual suspects. He looks good. Let me tell you another guy, Jatavian Sanders. I have heard multiple sources telling me Jatavian Sanders, who arrived last year, I'm not going to say he was lazy, but he didn't have that focus that you need to have when you're entering the big, the big world of college football, especially at UT. That's gone. This guy has come in with incredible focus. This guy, you know, he, he had some, some passing sessions with Quinn Ewers up in Denton uh, over, the, over the holidays. They, got, they became a little bit closer. I mean, Jatavian even gave Quinn his jersey number because he knows to him, to Sanders, it's just a number. But that's the guy that's going to be throwing it to me. That's the guy that's going to help me get to the next level. And I love that they're making these bonds, these relationships. They're, they're, they're connecting with each other. And so the throwing sessions are going well just because Quinn and Hudson have really got that locked in. Uh, Nayor is the guy everyone's talking about at receiver. And not against nothing against Xavier, but they just don't have anybody on the roster that looks like an Isaiah Nayor. And you've, you've mentioned that many times. And then at tight end, Jatavian Sanders. You know, Gunnar Helm is going to be pushing for, for, for starters reps. Sanders is pushing. He's nipping at his heels. And athletically, we know Jatavian is, is clearly a better prospect in that regard. This kid's motivated. And you get Jatavian motivated. You get him – you get the nuance of the game down. Because last year, you know, he played receiver at Denton Ryan. He didn't really play tight end. No, so he, he didn't, didn't play that- in line at all. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And so Jeff Banks has had his hands full. But that's what Jeff Banks is good at. 
And so getting Sanders motivated and getting him in the right position and learning some of the, the ins and outs of the position has really benefited uh, Sanders and, and sources close to the team tell me to expect to see him playing regularly on Saturdays. So let me ask you this. That's awesome news. That's, that's like a, that's a light bulb going off moment, right? Where frankly, until you mentioned his name, I wasn't expecting much of Jatavian Sanders in this upcoming year. Uh, because I just, he looked, he didn't look like a, a great prospect last year. He looked a little like he was just going through the motions to your, to your point, even though he didn't get a lot of opportunities, uh, a lot of that um, was, was himself as well. So it'll be interesting now with Jared Wiley moving on, Kay Brewer, obviously graduating. Uh, that opens up the tight end spot where Jalil Billingsley uh, from the transfer from Alabama absolutely is one of those guys. But then the, the second one, we know that, that uh, Sark likes to go two tight ends sometimes. The second one is either Gunnar Helm or Jatavian Sanders at this point. And it sounds like Sanders is trying to make a move uh, to be that second guy. Um, you, you mentioned, uh, I, I don't want to, I think you and I are on the same page. We all heard the same thing on Isaiah Nayor. We even did a segment on it a week or two ago about how uh, you and I and everybody that had been listening had been hearing tremendous things about this guy just from the moment he walked on campus as far as his ability. But you mentioned that they're moving Jade Barron around a little bit. What are you hearing as far as what they're doing with all the different permutations that could happen in the defensive backfield right now? With Barron, to me, I honestly think pound for pound, Jade Barron's the best corner prospect on the roster. Um, I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. He's incredibly intelligent. I, I think we even overlooked him during his recruitment. And I think it's because Texas came in so late. They built a relationship late. I believe he was a flip from Baylor, if I'm not mistaken. I, I hope I don't get that wrong. And, and last year, we saw some glimpses of stardom. We saw some, a guy that came in that did not play hesitant football. He, he, he came in aggressive. Um, I think they're going to move him around because they've got to – I wouldn't say an embarrassment of riches, but they've got some talented dudes back there. And the star position, the nickel, is something I think they're trying to figure out. And, you know, Anthony Cook, who used to play some corner and some nickel, has been shifted to safety. So I think they're looking for the best mixture. They're looking for the best way to get the best 11 on the field. And if that means Barron plays some star, if that means you've got Ryan Watts at one side and, and Deshaun Jameson on the other, I feel, I feel like that would be the field side and the boundary, then you want to make sure you get Barron on the field. This is a guy that has some NFL traits. And so that, that's what I'm hearing, that you know, it's essentially moving him around a little bit, it, you know, even with Keaton Crawford who had played some corner and some star, he's been moved over to safety as well, which I tend to think that might be his spot because you talk about a boundary guy that could come down the alley and bring hat. Keaton Crawford tries to knock your head off. You know, he, he, he's the better version of BJ Foster, you could say in a sense. And so they're moving guys around and trying to get Barron a spot to where they know they have the best 11 on the field, because I don't think Barron sitting on the side of the bench is, is, 
is going to be the best defense Pete Kwiatkowski can put out in 2022. I, I think that I think you're right. Number one about Baron, uh, and I think that this is something that that gets back. You mentioned one adjective that I uh, wrote down uh, right at the outset. You said he's a smart player. Um, Texas in the secondary. This is a this isn't a um, really simple scheme from the secondary, uh, and so it takes smarter players at some level to try to, to do a little different stuff. And I, I think Texas in the secondary last year did not play smart, uh, typically. Uh, maybe that started uh, at safety a lot of times or what have you, but they were not a smart team in the secondary uh, with the exception possibly of Josh Thompson and Anthony Cook at nickel. I didn't, I felt like Texas got beat uh, routinely on some, some fairly simple, simple stuff. And uh, it would be interesting to see just how, how much better a, uh, they could be with a smarter team on defense. We've mentioned this, uh, they need to be more physical as well. Um, back to the throwing sessions, Justin, you said they're doing it two times a week. These are not, uh, just to be clear, these are not like, like Texas has at workouts every morning, right? Uh, for this, for This doesn't include that. The coaches are not out there with them. Right. That's what I thought. So this is player driven, player led, and they're yes. out there at a separate, at a separate time. And Ewers and Card uh, are are kind of doing it together. Any other uh, notes there from from your standpoint of what you've heard about who's who else is looking good? Have you heard much about Billingsley at all, for example? Yeah, um, I think Billingsley is going to take some transition with Billingsley. Um, I hope he didn't show up to Austin thinking he was going to just automatically be the starter, uh, because there's a couple of guys in that room that are adamant that that's not going to happen. They're, 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 if anything, I think it motivated Sanders. You know, I was in Denton Ryan a couple of weeks ago and I got to talk to, to Coach Hennigan and Coach Delatore, guys that are very close to Jatavian. And, and they even mentioned that he seems like he's so more focused and, and driven right now. And competition tends to do that. It's almost like Sark's taking off a, a branch of the Pete Carroll tree where he's just packing competition at every position and letting those guys duke it out because USC was notorious for that in the 2000s, bringing in as many guys as you can, letting them battle it out and the best gets to go on the field. I think Billingsley knows he's an NFL prospect, but I think he has to get from knowing to being. And in that, in that middle ground there, he's going to have to put in the work because there's other guys that are just as good as he is maybe even a little bit better. And so Billingsley comes, I'm not saying he's coming with baggage, but I'm saying he is going to have to understand the new culture here and that it's, it's completely driven by focus, teamwork, reps, miss, uh, meetings, sessions, you don't miss stuff. And so having a guy like Billingsley probably is what lit the fire under those other tight ends. And I fully expect Jalil to, to get some time on the field because we haven't even got to spring ball yet, but I just understand from, from what I've been told Billingsley needs to um, man up a little bit because these other tight ends took the note. They took the message that they brought in a new guy and they're kicking ass with it. Good. And so, so that's interesting because, you know, here we have, if you think about it, really, Justin, the other three, um, uh, transfers didn't really transfer out. I mean, Quinn Ewers was coming back home. Ryan Watts was probably going to start at Ohio State this year, but wanted to come back to Texas, be closer. Uh, Nayor, uh, obviously an all-conference selection at Wyoming, wanted to play on a bigger stage. 
those weren't transfer outs. Those were transfer ins. Billingsley is a little bit different, right? I mean, he was a starter at Alabama, lost his role. He was a transfer out of Alabama, which you mentioned all those things with, with competition and uh, focus, demand for focus. That, that is a situation where that's what he's coming from. So if, yeah. he, if he's not showing it here uh, at this point, which we, I mean, we're not there, but this, these are some right. of the things you're kind of hearing behind the scenes. Uh, that, that's interesting because if, if he wasn't showing it there and he's not showing it here, at what point, and I mentioned the light bulb a, a minute ago, what, what point does the light bulb go on and stay on? Because he is uber talented. Uh, there's no, no question. Uh, long, fast, uh, uh, tough after the catch, that sort of thing. So uh, it's going to be interesting, I think, for all of us. The portal's so new, right? Uh, relatively speaking, um, you know, are you better off? And, and this is something we need to track, probably as a as a as a media entity. Is are you better off going getting the guys that are transferring in or transferring out? Does that make sense? The the categorization of, you know, these guys are coming in to compete for time, whereas this guy's transferring out where he's lost time. You know what I mean? And that's I've never I'm thought about. about it that way, but I like how you compartmentalize. Yeah, that. It, it's because I think that ultimately you got to look, you got to look to get better uh, via the transfer portal these days and, and success ratio and hit ratio on those guys are going to be uh, ultimately important too. All right, let's, let's move on to recruiting real quick because you were down uh, in uh, the Woodlands this weekend. Uh, you and Eric both were down there covering some stuff. Uh, a couple of key recruits for Texas were there. Uh, let's start with Ruben Owens, uh, the running back out of El Campo, state's, state's top, you know, arguably top prospect, top running back, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, if you ask him, he's the, he's the best, the best <laughs> of the best. He's like top gun. We're the best of the best and we'll make you better. You know, Ruben, Ruben is such a unique kid. You know, I think people get the wrong idea because Ruben really enjoys the process and he's, he's committed already once and decommitted. He's taken tons of, 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 of visits and just understand Ruben Owens. Don't, don't, don't put him in the category of that kid that just wants attention because I don't believe that's who he is. Ruben, I've known Ruben for almost two years now. And I'll say this, you know, the funny thing is when, when Eric and I got there early Saturday morning, Ruben came in and it was in somewhat of a ski mask with a hat and the jacket and the hoodie and everything you couldn't really recognize him. And for some reason, odd reason, it, it hit me that that might be Ruben. It's early, but that, and it was, and he was so corrigible. He takes off his hoodie. He, he knew how I was. We start to talk. We talked for probably half an hour off the record. And, and you get a sense of where Ruben's at in his recruitment. You know, he's pretty much got his pick of schools and he knows that. He knows Georgia wants him. He, he, he took a visit there last month. He was wearing a Georgia hat. You know, he knows that that Georgia wants him. And I think it's not so much him considering going to Georgia as much as it is, is, hey, Georgia likes me. They're the national champions. I could pick that school if I wanted to. But in my heart, I don't think he's leaving the state. You know, I got to talk to his dad, Mr. Uh, Ruben Owens Sr., as well for a, a little while off the record. And I get and he was wearing a Texas Longhorn hat, if that if that indicates anything. I think this is a Texas, Texas A&M battle. And the more I watch Ruben, I've seen the guy mature. You know, as a freshman, he may have got a little carried away with some stuff. But now he's a junior going into a senior year. He's getting ready for track practice. He's getting ready for the seven. He looks so good, Bobby. 
he's he's there's no it's a mismatch out there and i granted i know it's not football at seven on seven you still got to cover that guy is a mismatch and i think he's bigger eric and i were talking about if he's listed at 511 187 there's a good chance he's up to six foot and probably 190 195 now he looks spectacular and so Texas is on his mind. Texas A&M's on his mind. He told me in the spring he's going to try to get back to both schools. There's a good chance uh, he's coming to Texas on March 26th, uh, which happens to coincide with potentially uh, uh, on three's number one overall prospect from Isidore Newman in New Orleans, Arch Manning. They still stay in contact. They still talk a lot. But Ruben is a guy that I think he'll take a few officials in the, in the spring. I think he'll take some more unofficials in the summer. And kind of like, like I said, he enjoys the process. You know, he told, I, I asked him, what's one school that you don't, we don't talk about very much, but you're kind of liking. He says, Syracuse. I said, huh. Syracuse. I said, what, I said, what, what are you talking to Dino Babers up there? He goes, Justin, it's in New York. That would be a trip. This kid is already thinking about potentially where else he could go. Like, don't ever hate a, a prospect to enjoy this process and go see all these places. And Ruben does that. And I think he keeps a pretty good little perspective while he does it. I, I want to say this just for Ruben. I, I, I got to hold He also on. mentioned Jim Brown. Oh, yeah, well, Jim he knows Brown, the history. There's a, look, they, they are – there was a while they were the best running back school in the country, but that was before I was born, actually. Um, <laughs> Um, back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, McNabb's not walking they had that a bunch. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. The the thing that I would say to you on that is he better figure out exactly where Syracuse is in relation to New, New York, York City because it, upstate New York is not New York City. Um, <laughs> number number two is you said he's getting ready for track, right? Um, yes, sir. You know, is he going to run the 100, 200, that kind of thing? And also, wait, let me ask you another question. How were, I, and it's something that we don't talk about enough with, with running backs at times, how are his hands out of the backfield? Okay, let's let's start with track. He's going to run the 100, the 4 by 100, the 4 by 2 100 relays, and long jump. Okay. And he, he, he's, he's, he really, he's shooting for a 10-7, 10-8 in the 100, which is pretty lofty especially with a guy his size, but I'm not going to question if he can do it. He's going to put in the work to do it. And I think he's a long jump state, potentially going to state in the long jump as well. I'm not sure about the relays. That's right out of the backfield. We talked about this. Ruben understands the running back position has changed. I, I told him back in, you know, 30 years ago when the Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, uh, Edron James, you know, era, there was only one back per team, and that's the, that's the one you hitched your wagon to. They got 25 to 30 carries a game, and the third down back was generally your guy that could catch the ball out of the backfield or and or pick up the blitz on a third down pass. I said, you know, you know, what are you looking to improve on in this offseason? You just became the Max Preps Junior Player of the Year nationally. What else could you improve on? He said, I can catch the ball better. He said, I can run routes better. He says, I can learn about picking up the blitz better. 
He said, because if I don't protect my quarterback, I'm no good. And it's answers like that, that often people don't hear or don't understand. He, he's such a well-rounded kid. You know, he, he does have a good vision on what he wants to do and get better at. He's got, he's got great hands. I mean, I saw him lining up at receiver because you know, it's seven on seven. He's still a mismatch. He's so athletically gifted, even good corners. And we saw some good corners. We saw, I saw Tayshawn Wilson, who's on his team though. I saw Jordan Matthews. I saw a handful of, of guys that can cover. He looked great. And so the fact, I love that question because that's one of the things we talked about off the record. He said, you know, I got to get better catching the ball. And I said, Ruben, you looked pretty good catching the ball. He goes, ah, I can do better. He goes, I got to learn how to run my routes better, how, how, how to get bend that arc on the wheel route, how to sell it on the, to get that linebacker behind me. Like he knows these little details. And I love because he says when he talks to Coach Sark, you know, they talk about that. And I even brought up the fact that Stan Drayton's the guy that's been his man, his contact for two years at Texas. That's the guy he committed to, Bobby. I said, you know, Stan's up in, in Philly coaching for Temple now. I said, it, how does that affect you? He said, well, it doesn't affect me at all because Coach Choice has been recruiting me since I was a freshman. He, he called me uh, one of the first times. He was one of the first phone calls at Georgia Tech. So Tashar Choice had the foresight to already kind of build that relationship. Now those two are getting closer, and they talk about the little things that he can get better at. And so I love that you asked that because that's one of the things, because I always ask these kids, you know, what are you doing out here? What are you trying to get better at? What are you trying to improve on that you can use at the, you know, use on the field in the fall? And he said, man, I got to catch the ball better. He goes, I got to learn to run my routes better. And he goes, I got to make sure I, I learn how to pick up the blitz better to protect my quarterback. Uh, you mentioned quarterbacks. Now, the number two quarterback in the country, Malachi Nelson, was also there. He's committed to USC uh, out of uh, California. Uh, you and Eric both came away thinking, OK, this guy's special. So he's going to be a special player for for uh, Lincoln Riley out at USC uh, down. And he was down in the Woodlands this weekend, right? Yeah. And, and if you're a Texas fan, Thank God he's not going to OU. You'd be thankful. And on Sunday, you put in your tithings and you say your, you say your, your, your blessings because he's going to Southern Cal. He's going to stay in Southern Cal at USC. Malachi, you know, Arch Manning is, is the, the golden goose. Everybody knows that. He's the number one guy. I'm going to tell you, the gap between Arch Manning and Malachi Nelson is not much, if any. Malachi is that talented. He, he's got he now granted he's got an embarrassment of riches at receiver from you know your DeAndre Moore Jr. Makai Lemon the guy has some like legit weapons to throw to so give him credit but at the end of the day I don't think the gap between Malachi and Arch is very big and if you're a Texas fan you need to be thankful that sucker's not going to be throwing the pill in Norman <laughs> okay all right I, that's a great that's a great segue uh last player i want to mention that you had mentioned and, and we've talked me and jerry actually talked about him yesterday and that's jordan matthews we were talking about out-of-state recruits that texas was interested in this is the the defensive back out of baton baton rouge woodlawn uh you guys he was down in uh he was down in uh, the woodlands this weekend uh you talked to him as well what did you have what did you see uh what did you hear well, the first thing I noticed was he got his hair fixed because I, you know, in this job, Bobby, we have to recognize faces. That's you want to get an advantage over your, your competitor, recognize faces, remember names, parents' names. 
Jordan Matthews changed his hair a little bit. Thank goodness I remembered his eyes because he's got some really green eyes. And so I, for some reason, I spotted him. I said, Jordan, is that you? He said, yes, sir. It's me. I said, man, I, I couldn't even recognize you because what, what, what is this mess? And, of course, all of his teammates made fun of him. Then he gets on the field and does his thing. Jordan Matthews is one of the best corners in the country. I love the fact this kid has taken three unofficials to Austin in the last nine months all on his dime. And that, mean, that tells me that family is thorough. His brother plays receiver at McNeese State. His dad had a little bit of a, I believe, a college career as well. And Jordan looks to be the best of all of them. He is a legit 6'1", maybe 6'2", 180, 185 pounds. He's a big-looking kid. He would, At one point, he was walking. His team was walking up towards Eric and I, and Eric goes, man, who is that guy? I said, E, that's Jordan. That's Jordan. He said, that dude's a corner. Yes, sir. I love the position Texas is in because in the past, you, you know it as well as I do, nobody keeps in-state talent in-state better than Louisiana and LSU. Nobody. They're the king. But there's a gap coming on right now because with Brian Kelly coming in, we're getting the sense that a lot of these Louisiana kids, not a lot, but a handful of them aren't just dialed into LSU. And I asked Jordan about that. Jordan told us, and, and we reported it on Sunday, you know, his top 10's coming soon. He's, his top 10's coming soon, and he'd like to have a decision by the end of the summer. And so he, he, he laid it out for us, and, and he's been tremendous for us. That, 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 that's a fact. But he said, Texas is going to be in it. And I said, I said, well, what about, you know, LSU? They're in-state. Obviously, they're going to be in it. And he said, Justin, they haven't re-offered me. They haven't. I don't know if they're interested or not. And he said, I have to look at the schools that have my best interest at heart. And right now, I don't feel that with that school. Who does he feel that with? Texas. Texas A&M. Buckle up. Michigan's cornerback. Shit with there. I don't. To Texas as soon as he can for another trip. He told me he will take all five of his officials. And there's a great chance Texas is going to get one of those officials. The main thing Texas fans need to know about Jordan Matthews, his primary recruiter, Steve Sarkeesian. Terry Joseph and him are building a good relationship. He really likes Coach Joseph, and he likes how Joseph shows how he'll fit in this scheme, shows that they need length. At, at, on the outside, on, on those, on, on, like at a field corner, they need that length, like a Ryan Watts and a, you know, Terrence Brooks to a certain extent. Matthews fits that, but he said Texas is the only school where their head coach is my guy. Every other school I talk to, it's an assistant, it's a staffer, it's a, a recruiting analyst. With Texas, it's Steve Sarkeesian. To him, that matters. And I, if you'd have asked me. Nine months ago, does Texas have a shot with Jordan Matthews? I'd say realistically, probably not. We've changed that. That, that dynamic has changed. After three unofficials and potentially taking an official, probably this fall or, or probably in the spring, maybe maybe coming to see him again in the summer, Texas is squarely in the mix. Now, they got a, they got a battle on their hands. A&M is right down the corner, and A&M is making a push. And we all know the, the momentum Jimbo and those guys have generated. But I love that you brought up Jordan Matthews because – after talking to him again, seeing his face, kind of getting to catch up with him and his family, this guy likes Texas a lot. They just have to stay the course. Gotcha. Well, you said decision by the end of the summer, hopefully for him, releasing a top 10 soon. 
Justin, uh, the stuff on the team early in the segment was outstanding. So was your uh, firsthand knowledge, uh, having gone out to the Woodlands this weekend and seen those kids. I appreciate it. I know the viewers do as well. So thanks a bunch. Uh, for Justin Wells, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, this has been On Texas Football. Please consider a subscription to InsideTexas.com as well. Please uh, do us a favor and subscribe to our YouTube channel here or our Apple podcast as well. Uh, once again, thanks again for listening to On Texas Football. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.